And in just a moment, I'm going to read from the 23rd Psalm as we continue our sermon series dealing with struggles on the Jesus way, the struggles that we have that we encounter along life's way. And before I read that scripture, I'd like to lead us in a prayer. So I would invite you to bow your heads with me and uh, we enter into a time of meditation and reflection before I, before I pray. Our creator and sustainer, our redeemer and Lord, our precious heavenly father, we come into your presence and we want to exhale confession of sin and failure even as we inhale and breathe in your Holy Spirit. And we come to you with our sins and brokenness, our lives lined with failure, and yet your love never fails us. We acknowledge our brokenness and our need of you every day. We acknowledge the brokenness of our world, a world full of pain and suffering. We remember today the family members of those on the Malaysian flight uh, filled with so much anguish and so, much, uh, so many unanswered questions and, and such open-ended grief. We remember to pray today for those uh, victims and family members of the mudslide in Washington State. We pray your mercies upon them, upon all who are suffering today in our congregation and in our community who are ill, physical illness, mental illness, financial pressures, job struggles. We pray today for families in crisis, marriages that are hurting. We ask today that you bless our children, our youth, as the school year moves toward its focused conclusion, our school teachers, our administrators. Would you bless God the military, especially those serving in places of danger. Keep them safe and bless them. And bless God the way of nations, that you might be sovereign and guide in the ways of peace and justice. We ask God this morning that you open our hearts to the new thing you want to do. We pray that you'll help us to be patient with the shortcomings of others, that we will be patient with our own shortcomings, that we would pray that you would grant us grace, catch us in your arms of love when we fail and falter. And Lord, in the discouraging times, keep us at it. Keep us faithful. We give you our prayer in our lives and our full attention in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I invite you to open your Bibles to the 23rd Psalm if you don't have them open already, and I invite you to stand. And uh, if you're able to stand, I'll read aloud this uh, famous 23rd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, last week, uh, as 
we worked through the sermon series on struggles on the Jesus way. We talked about the struggle of suffering, which is a really, really big topic, a really huge topic. Uh, and this morning, I want to continue that theme, but maybe altering the focus slightly, maybe tilting the camera in a different angle so that we think about suffering in a different way and we dwell more on our own responses to suffering. And by that I mean, I want us to think together about the hardships that we face and uh, the discouragement that sets in that sometimes leads to bitterness and sometimes leads to a, a spirit that is, that is very, very negative, that leads to uh, a giving up spirit. Precisely, we're thinking about hardships that come that lead us to be tempted to, to give up, to give in, to just give out. We're thinking this morning about the temptation to give up on other people, the temptation to give up on ourselves, temptation to give up on faith or to give up on church or to give up on God. Despair is the word. Despair. Its root is from the Latin blend word without hope. Despair from the Latin, without hope. In the uh, famous fourth verse that talks in Psalm 23 about uh, God walking with us through the darkest valley or the valley of the shadow of death, one translation translates that, a ravine as deep as death, a ravine as deep as death, and another one calls it the valley of deepest darkness. And it's interesting that when I was asking uh, some of you to respond to me through social media and through personal conversations about what are your struggles on the Jesus way, that several people mentioned that what they're going through is a time of deep darkness. And I, they, they hadn't talked to one another, and I don't know that they had this psalm particularly in mind, but, but the description of their, life, their lives uh, uh, were descriptions of a place of deep darkness. And, and several of them mentioned also a sense of isolation, just being cut off from others and cut off from God. And, uh, and would be mentioned occasionally too, that this inability to trust anymore, inability to trust other people, inability to trust God. And some really powerful conversations happened as, as people were unloading with me on, on this particular theme. It's, it's very painful and very powerful. Somebody shared with me not very long ago this concept that every, li every living organism experiences anxiety. Have you ever thought about that? From the smallest amoeba to the largest elephant, every living organism experiences anxiety. Now, we could talk a long time about the biology and the chemistry of that, but I think we could summarize it by saying that eventually there are two responses that an organism to can make to stress and anxiety, adapt or die. Adapt or die. And my concern this morning from a pastoral care perspective is a concern about the bombardment that some of you experience with unrelenting pressure or unrelenting heartache or unrelenting challenges that just seem to come in waves, that seem to tire you out and to make you feel very vulnerable at, at points of brokenness. And another way to say this is that I'm concerned not just that we get tired in our suffering. I'm concerned that if we grow bitter, 
that bitterness actually adds to our load and makes us more tired. That cynicism, that sense of despair becomes itself an extra weight to carry around besides the weight of the original suffering. And so I want us to think about the 23rd Psalm maybe in a slightly different way. It's okay to to think about the 23rd Psalm as something we read the night before we have surgery. I've done that, and I'm not taking that away. That's a great thing to do. And it's great to read the 23rd Psalm in the face of death, the death of someone we love, or or our own impending death. That's okay, too. But think about this. Maybe the valley of deepest darkness is itself the valley of despair. And that what God wants to lead us to on the other side of that valley, that that feast in His presence, that, that banquet, the anointing of oil, maybe that is God's presence as we've walked through that despair with God's presence. During World War II, French doctors discovered a strange new disorder that they actually named, they coined a phrase, and they called it barbed wire sickness. Barbed wire sickness to describe the studies they'd done on POWs, allied prisoners of war. And they described the sense of futility that developed in the, in the minds of POWs. Uh, a sense of meaninglessness, a sense of emptiness and futility. No matter how many games were organized by the prisoners to keep their minds occupied, no matter how much they talked about home and when they got out, no matter how, uh, much, uh, how many bits and pieces of news about allied victories might somehow leak their way back into the prison camp, None of that helped. Some of the prisoners, some of the prisoners were held there by that barbed wire sickness, not just by the rifles, by the guards in the towers, not just by the searchlights and not just by the dogs, but they were prisoners of their own sense of hopelessness and despair. And I think that barbed wire sickness has uh, jumped a continent and and followed us through time because it's, it's really everywhere. I was uh, watching and listening to the news uh, back in February when the Ukrainian uh, uprising was, was uh, probably at its peak. And uh, someone, one of the news uh, uh, people was interviewing um, a Ukrainian man, an elderly man, and through a translator, he said to the person who was interviewing him, he said, I have now lived through four revolutions. And then he said this, I should know better than to be optimistic. You see that sense of futility, that sense of barbed wire sickness, that that things can never be any different. And uh, it's in our country too. You hear people talking about reaching a point where they no longer expect anything positive and helpful from our government. They no longer help anything, uh, expect anything helpful or positive from uh, schools or from churches or from uh, other organizations in the community. And even in churches, there's this uh, sense of apathy and this sense of futility and there's this boredom, been there, done that, sort of a, sort of a listlessness that, 
that seems to set in. Perhaps the uh, playwright David Henry Wong uh, spoke for our entire culture uh, when he said not too long ago, he said, to say that something is new simply means that it hasn't been around long enough to disappoint us. Wow, that's cynical. That's despair. To say that something is new is simply to say that it hasn't been around long enough to disappoint us. Enter the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. Heard about a Sunday school teacher who told her class of children that she wanted them to memorize as much of the 23rd as they could and to start with the first verse and get as far as they could. Could In the first week she was testing them, one little boy's arm shot up and she called on him and he said, the Lord is my shepherd, that's all I want. And he was right. The Lord is my shepherd, that's all I want. That's all I need. I read an interesting uh, piece by an Illinois shepherd, uh, a sheep herder who lives in Illinois. This shepherd told the story of uh, walking out uh, among the flock and uh, seeing uh, one spring morning that one of, uh, one of the ewes was in trouble. She was trying to lamb. She was trying to have her baby, and she was in, she was in trouble. And the shepherd started walking toward the ewe, but she became confused and startled, and the ewe rocked herself until she could somehow get on her feet, and she kind of wobbled away, running away from the shepherd. The shepherd caught up and, and sort of gently tripped the ewe and, and uh, uh, placed her on her side and, and helped her out, and within a matter of minutes, not one but two baby lambs were born, twins. And in just a brief time, they were all on the straw, safe and alive and healthy. But think about it. The sheep ran away from the shepherd in her deepest moment of need. Why do we do that? Run away from the shepherd in the deepest time of need. Mark me well. If you're going to survive in this kind of painful world, without succumbing to despair. You must come to the place of understanding the purposes of God. The purposes of God are the deep root system for hope in our lives. And maybe one of the reasons that the 23rd Psalm is so powerful and so timeless is because running through it, is the purpose of God. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He makes sure that we're always near life-giving water. He leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. He doesn't leave us in it. We go through it. There's purpose. We arrive on the other side to a banquet feast, an anointing, And His love and faithfulness will doggedly pursue us all the days of our lives. It's all about God's purpose. God's purpose. And we mustn't run away from the shepherd in our times of most critical need because God 
is full of purpose. And I think the key to that entire theme of victory over despair is is found in verse 3 when the psalmist says, He restores my soul. Somebody did a personal translation of this. He repeatedly renews me at the core of my being. He repeatedly renews me at the core of my being, over and over again, not once, not twice, not once in a while, not one week, not one month, but he repeatedly replenishes and strengthens and refreshes me. During the uh, beginning of the civil rights movement of the 1950s, during the Montgomery, Alabama, uh, Alabama bus boycott, as the uh, black citizens were boycotting Uh, the bus system because of its discriminatory practices and other whites would join in with them. Uh, It was a long, long, long siege that they had to go through and and one uh, one elderly woman, lovingly known as Mother Pollard, uh, would walk that, her, her, to groceries, to work, to everything she needed to do and somebody asked her one time, uh, aren't your feet tired? Aren't you growing weary? And she replied one day, my feet is tired, but my soul is rested. My feet is tired, but my soul is rested. There's a replenishing and a renewal and a strengthening that God brings to us. And anybody who spends very much time with the 23rd Psalm knows that uh, there's a change that happens at the end of verse 3. If you look at the grammar and the personal pronouns, verses 1 through 3, we're talking about God. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me beside still waters. There's a change beginning in verse 4. We're no longer talking about God. We're addressing God. We're talking to God, direct address. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me, God. Your rod and staff comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. There is no way to survive in a life full of despair without a personal relationship with God. That's the miracle of conversion. That's the miracle of the Christian experience. When we talk about being followers of Christ, we're talking about a personal relationship with the God of this cosmos. Not a relationship to the church only, not an institutional relationship where you signed and filled out some papers, but a real relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, because of Jesus' life and His death on the cross for us, and because of His resurrection, because of personally putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ receiving Him into our lives, His Holy Spirit living within us, that personal relationship with God is possible and required to make it in a life of despair. And the same shepherd who's with us in the green pastures is the shepherd who is with us through the darkest valleys. And when we're in a personal relationship with Him, we can survive the despair. And we don't cave in to despair. Listen to this quote by Martin Luther King, Jr. We must accept finite disappointments, but we must never lose infinite hope. 
You see the difference between finite disappointment? That's, that's a realistic part of life. But there's a difference between finite disappointment and infinite hope. He goes on and says, only in this way shall we live without the fatigue of bitterness and the drain of resentment. So we're back to that fatigue of resentment and the drain of resentment and the fatigue of bitterness that just suck the life out of us. But to be in a relationship with God is to get in touch with God's purposes that somehow replenish us, restore us at the core of our being. Here's the central truth about sheep. I know myself, other preachers and Bible commentators like to talk about we're like sheep because we're not very bright. We're like sheep because we like to go astray. Those things are true, but I think the core truth of why we're like sheep is this. We're vulnerable. We're exposed. We're not in control. And maybe at the core of our despair, at the center of our cynicism and our giving up is an anger that we're not really in charge, that things are happening to us over which we don't have a vote. But it just simply is. We are sheep. We are not in charge. We are vulnerable. We're not in control. God is. And uh, one commentary on this great psalm uh, reminded us, our security is not in the green pasture. Our security is not in the deep valley. Our security is in the shepherd. It's the only security we have in the shepherd. So I invite you to trust this morning. I invite you to stop running from the shepherd. I invite you to turn around. I invite you to rest and be refreshed. And let God love you. Trust God. Let God love you. Let's pray together.